Good afternoon. You are listening to Dawnland Signals on WERU-FM. Dawnland Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth, healing, and change here in the Dawnland. We explore topics such as restorative justice, restorative practices, decolonization, cultural revival, and more. Our guests are people involved in aspects of truth, healing, and change work. This program is offered in an effort to share, inspire, and inform. Dawnland Signals is a collaboration of Wabanaki Reach and WERU-FM. I am your co-host, Maria Gerard. And I am your co-host, Esther Ann. We're excited uh, this month to be talking to some folks that are responsible uh, in part for organizing the first Northeast Birthwork, Indigenous Birthworker Gathering. Um, this gathering was hosted by Eastern Woodlands Rematriation Collective, Wabanaki Pul- Public Health and Wellness, and current and aspiring Indigenous birth workers. I'm just going to read a little section of uh, <clears throat> their materials for the gathering. The organizers are committed to bringing our children into this world in a way of our ancestors. In the words of Mohawk community midwife Katsy Cook, it's not just about reproduction of people, it is reproduction of the culture they are raised in. We know birth work is directly related to cultural survival and tribal sovereignty, body sovereignty, cultural sovereignty, political sovereignty. This gathering is an act of rediscovering, relearning, and reclaiming these practices with joy, love, and the support of community. Before we introduce our guests, uh, Maria is going to lead us through a land appreciation. Thank you, Esther. Um, Let's just take a moment to pause to acknowledge the land beneath our feet. Wabanakig, the land of the first light, the dawn land, land that has known Wabanaki ancestors, the tallest trees, and the oldest rivers, land that has known peace and conflict, land that has nourished us and sustained us since time immemorial. We acknowledge the indigenous peoples of this land, Wabanaki, the Passamaquoddy, Penobscot, Mi'kmaq, Maliseet, and Abenaki, and we give thanks to your stewardship and resilience. Nadal Nabemnawuk, all my relations, we are broadcasting from WERU studio in Blue Hill, Alamusic, Wabanaki. Thank you, Maria. So today on Donland Signals, we are excited to be visiting with Dr. Jess Cree and Tere Ramos, two of the uh, dynamic organizers of the first Northeast Indigenous Birth Worker Gathering. Um, I, I don't know who'd like to start, perhaps Jess, would you like to start and just talk about what is Indigenous birth work? What does it include? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Kachi Wiliwini. Um, so Indigenous birth work uh, for me uh, really, you know, began with um, my own birth and my mother having me at home and uh, the desire for me to know 
the role of women in um, just our traditional rights as far as, uh, you know, our role in birthing and how we bring our children into the world. Um, for me, it was a way of connecting with my culture and understanding um, how it is that we do things as women and healing. And um, so, you know, I come from a long line of Penobscot women for thousands of years. Um, that's how we brought our children into the world. So we all helped each other um, birth our birth, birth the new the new beings, our new children. And so for me, it started, uh, you know, when I was a teenager learning, um, learning how we did things. And so it's been a growing passion for me. So indigenous birth work for me has uh, culminated now into years of study, practice, learning from um, other um, Native practitioners. Um, for me, it's also been reconnecting with uh, Medewin teachings and Anishinaabe women who have held these practices for a long time. It's been, for me, connecting with my mom and my grandmas before me and our knowledge and how that's passed on. Um, so for me, Indigenous birth work has culminated into supporting women um, supporting Native women in um, reclaiming these rights, reclaiming our, our bodily sovereignty. And uh, for me, the most important sacred ceremony that we go through as women, um, carrying a child, fertility, um, carrying the, the child, supporting women through prenatal care, supporting women in the birthing process, helping support women in postpartum care and rearing our children and our um, traditional parenting styles. So it encompasses, you know, all of those things. So for me, it's kind of a really important um, fabric of life and our uh, cultural traditions and healing. So that's really what earthwork is for me. Thank you, Just. I um, neglected to ask you to, if you wanted to introduce yourself. Oh, sure. More than just me saying your name. I apologize. No, that's okay. So I, uh, let's see, I'm a naturopathic physician. So uh, it goes hand in hand with birth work is uh, traditional medicine and plant knowledge. So again, as a teenager, I was wanting to learn how to use the plants, how our, how my grandma's healed, how they survived here in the Northeast, what plants we used as medicine, what plants we used to, um, for food. Um, my great grandmother, Val Ranko, she was born and raised on Orson Island, which is, um, one of the more, there's no access, there's no bridge access. So it's only canoe. And, uh, she grew up with her grandparents. And so she grew up canoeing. For foraging, um, hunting, trapping, fishing. Um, so I grew up with her. She passed away at 96 in like 2009. So I, I had her around most of my life. So it was really about, you know, um, learning how she was raised, how she came into the world um, with midwives or not even, we didn't even call them midwives. It was just women. It was just women coming together, aunts, grandmothers, so anyway, I um, wanted to learn more and more and more. So 
I uh, went to UMass Amherst and created my own major in uh, ethnobotany and holistic health, where I really studied our cultural uses of plants and medicine and healing. And then I um, did my pre-med and went on to a four-year medical school um, naturopathic training. Um, I actually uh, worked in a clinic with a midwife, Mary Bove, Dr. Mary Bove, for 10 years, learning from her. And um, she specialized as a midwife in women's medicine and pediatrics. So I really um, studied from her quite a bit. And then for two years, I traveled to Bemidji, Minnesota with an organization, Mawinza Odinishinage Wigawaming, where I studied um, indigenous midwifery and birthing as ceremony. Um, lots of lots of other <laughs> um, teachings along the way, lots of teachers. I'll take up the whole hour. <laughs> Um, with everything I've been studying and accumulating in my bundle over the years. Um, but yeah, that's who I am. And so now in my practice, I've been in, um, I've had my own private naturopathic practice since 2005. And um, really um, working in, uh, as of lately, working more with um, Indigenous birth work, just helped uh, Nipmuc woman where I live in Massachusetts. Um, birth completely in ceremony, um, um, helping her through prenatal birth and postpartum. And so it's happening. It's a really beautiful um, reclamation. And it just gives me so much power and joy to watch the power um, that our women are taking back for themselves um, to birth in ceremony and sacred space and um, honoring all the plants and medicine and spirits and ancestors in that process. So, um, yeah, so that led me to, um, I've been working with Eastern Woodlands Rematriation Collective for a few years. Um, it started with helping to build our Wabanaki apothecary, and I helped train <clears throat> like um, 10 to 12 Wabanaki herbal apprentices for a two years time span we worked together. Um, so I've been working with Eastern Woodlands Rematriation for quite some time now. And <clears throat> it was, um, like I said, it goes hand in hand, the birthing and the medicine and the healing. So the Northeast Indigenous Birth Workers Gathering was just a natural evolution from the work that we've already been doing together. Wonderful. Thank you, Jess. Mm -hmm. And we also have with us uh, Tere Ramos. Teray, would you like to introduce yourself and share your thoughts um, around uh, Indigenous birth work? Absolutely. Lenny Kasuk, relatives, thank you so much for having me on here today. Um, like you said, my name is Teray. I um, am Wampanoag, originally from Indigenous to Southeast Massachusetts also with um, Cape Verdean lineage. And it's been a long road to my <laughs> start in birth work. So like just said, this could take the whole hour explaining, you know, where all of that, um, where the calling came from. But um, I did get into birth work through my own um, journey to becoming a mother and um, through my own pregnancies and births, and I have four babies, and 
I've had many different births. All their births were very different. Some in the hospital um, back home and some out of the hospital. And I realized pretty quickly on after, really after my first baby, I had her, you know, in the traditional Western way in the hospital with, um, you know, the gamut of interventions and with the um, epidurals and the Pitocin. And um, I really didn't have a come out of that with a traumatic experience, but I just felt intuitively that birth was supposed to be something um, a lot more, a lot different than what I had experienced. So my second baby was then um, the first out of hospital birth that my family has experienced in at least four generations. And um, it was a very beautiful healing ceremony for me that I felt went forwards and backwards. And from there, I just knew that it was my calling to bring that to um, back to, you know, my own lineage, but also to our um, further indigenous communities. And so after that birth, I became um, I seeked up training, became a doula. And after I became a doula, I moved uh, to, up to Maine to enroll in a midwifery school so I could um, feel like I could further be a support to our women and communities and um, just really try to reclaim that knowledge as best as I could because I am coming from a line of women who um, did not have that knowledge passed down through our family. So this was the way that I felt like um, I could at least begin my reclamation journey. And um, so with that, um, my feelings about what Indigenous birth work is, I think that it encompasses a lot of areas that uh, span actually a woman's entire life cycle surrounding creation. So moon time, birth, postpartum, miscarriage, pregnancy, release, and menopause, um, and just creating support and ceremony through these transitional experiences through the life cycle. But um, for today's purposes, I'll focus on just birth. Um, So Indigenous birth work to me really means honoring birth as the ceremony of the birthers, as the women, where we're closest to creation and our baby's transformation and transition into this realm, um, marking their very first ceremony. And that our way of birthing recognizes this experience as not just a physiological, but a deeply spiritual rite of passage And this recognition by community members, family members, support people, and us as birth workers is what allows for this birthing ceremony to be held in a safe and honorable and very sacred way. And coming from, you know, the Western world of kind of um, learning about birth and where I gathered my knowledge, most of my knowledge um, thus far, I also want to strongly acknowledge that there are no professionals or gatekeepers of traditional birth and the leaders of the birth space are always the birther and their baby and following their intuitive and unique experience because 
you know, we as Indigenous birth workers have to understand and I feel and do intuitively understand that when we're invited into that space, we're humbled by that very intuitive knowledge of the womb. And we know to be good navigators and or co-navigators and listeners. And that's what I think Indigenous birth work really encompasses. Thank you, Cherie. Um <clears throat> Time's flying. You are listening to Dawnland Signals on WERU-FM. I'm your co-host, Esther Ann, along with Maria Gerard. Dawnland Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth, healing, and change. And today we are talking about Indigenous birth work with Tere Ramos and Dr. Jess Cree. I'll, I'll let Maria, I see you writing things down, so I'll let you have a Always. chance. Always. Ask something. <laughs> I know. Well, when people are talking, it's just like when these words like jump out at me, I just scribble them down, scribble them down. And so what I'm writing down here is, um, you know, that they're committed to help each other, supporting each other. Um, all these these cultural values, uh, bringing them into this uh, most sacred ceremony of birth. Um, and I really liked what Tere uh, said that there are no professionals and there's no gatekeepers here. Um, that really, um, that sounded wonderful to me. But the, the one thing that um, I'm wondering about, and, and I almost hate to, to shift the attention in that direction, but um, as we're talking about reclaiming, um, where did it go awry? <laughs> you know, where, how did it shift so that we were you know, doing all this for each other at one point in time. And now it's at the point where we're reclaiming that practice. Yeah, so I've actually, you know, I think it has to do with colonization and the formation of modern medicine and the creation of hospitals. I think it has a lot to do with patriarchy and the ruling over women's bodies, Um, So when I look at just the history of birthing, like on Indian Island, for example, um, you know, before the bridge was created, um, women were delivering at home and all the neighbor women would come and support the woman in labor. Um, So I've talked to like many um, elders, including my own grandmother, who was born right on Valranco Street in a little house with no running water and no electricity. And so, you know, that was in the early 1900s. And then um, we had this physician that came to Indian Island and kind of took over as far as like um, the role of um, healing and medicine and you know, my great grandmother tells a story of like when aspirin was invented and how um, the transition to using that type of medicine happened when it came from, you know, willow bark and our natural plant medicines. So aspirin, you know, was one of the first prescription drugs and that was created from plant medicine. Um, and then, you know, with the creation of the hospitals and then with colonization, thinking, you know, Um, Our medicine is not safe. I think it has a lot to do with um, the inability to practice our religion, um, that our cultural and spiritual and sacred life ways were um, made illegal. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with that as well. Um, I think the indoctrination that modern medicine could save us, um, that it was better 
Um, so I think there's a lot of that core belief still as far as mistrust of our natural plant medicines, um, mistrust of our body's innate abilities, um, mistrust of uh, the role we have as women and the knowledge that we keep um, as far as our traditional medicine and how that was passed on. So I think a lot of it was severed and um, I think it has a lot to do with indoctrination. Um, perhaps um, the religious indoctrination as well played a big role in that process. Um, so, um, you know, in the you know mid 1900s or even later 1900s, I would say, as far as making it more um, uh, normalized to go birth in the hospital. Um, so I think as far as what we're seeing now, women taking back our power as far as um, birthing at home and trying to understand our knowledge and histories of how we did things for thousands of years actually has merit in science-based and, um, yeah, so anyway. You know, I couldn't help but think about just, of course, my own experience and how hard it is to, like, even acknowledge that you have that intuition that Tere talked about because I had my first three children in the hospital, two with an OB, one with a midwife, and then my last child at home. And, you know, I remember the home birth midwife saying, you know, just listen to your body. And it's like, I, you know, I'll, the other three times somebody told me what to do when, you know, and I didn't, and it was hard to, to know, to, like you said, reclaim, and acknowledge that you do know what you're doing and you can, if you can listen to your body, but I think it, it takes a lot of practice to just even break that in your, in your mind that you think you don't have it. I don't know if I'm making myself clear. <laughs> you're absolutely, absolutely correct. Thank you for sharing that Esther, because playing off again, what we're talking about um, with colonization, I also feel like, you know, it's the circle now because now because of the effects of colonization, um, it's almost as if we need to reclaim uh, birth work and acknowledge the healing that can come from birth work because of the effects that we've experienced through colonization. Because now where, we, where we're at, you know, Indigenous birth work looks a lot different now that we're living in a Western, you know, this post-colonial world. We, you know, birthing and just living really in this, um, you know, Western worldview is really heavy for Indigenous women because we truly are, feels like we're walking in two worlds, yeah? It's like we're made up of our ancestors' experiences and knowledge, diet, memory, so our spirits feel very deeply on a cellular level, our original, you know, existence. So to indigenous birth work today um, in the post-colonial world has to take into account the birthing ceremony's role as a profound opportunity for deep healing for our lineage. It just sounds so beautiful just listening to you both talk about it. I almost, I almost wished I could go back in time and do it all over again. <laughs> Um, I'm curious about the first 
it was the first Northeast Indigenous birth work gathering. Um, tell me about that. Where where was it, and and what did you do? And um, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I was going to say too. This and this knowledge is so important for grandmothers, for aunts, for relatives. So so even if you're not having further children. Um, the knowledge transmission is really important and, you know, how, how our grandbabies and our grand, great grandchildren come into the world without the trauma, especially without the trauma that many, many women are experiencing um, when, um, you know, in hospital births and these types of places. But um, our Northeast Indigenous birth worker gathering was pretty amazing. It was at um, Skudik Peninsula in um, our traditional Wabanaki homelands, and um, it was uh, we had we had women from Mi'kmaq, Passamaquoddy, Penobscot, Wampanoag, uh, Nipmuc. Mm, I might be missing some, but we had. Um, we had a Mohawk elder, um, Kaji Cook, give a presentation. And so it was a really amazing gathering from women across the Northeast, from all different Native um, nations, Native tribes coming together to really share because we acknowledge that we all carry this wisdom within us from our own lineages and our families. And again, from our um you know, whatever teachings we carry. So it was really a place where we were gathering to share and to network together and to be together. Um, so it was uh, just a really wonderful, we had um, a couple elders, oh, a couple elders sharing with us um, teachings from Megamahan and Kuji Cook and um, Tere made moss bags so the um, the traditional way we would have carried our babies with the moss for the diapering. And we had so many sharings. We had um, Penobscot doulas and um, all sorts of um, birth workers in their communities and aspiring birth workers. So we really gathered together for four days. So it was a really powerful um, ceremony of reconnecting. And we're going to have more. And um, this is just the beginning for us, really. Um, Tere and Esther were both there. So if you wanted to share your experiences. <laughs> Esther was actually part of the um, organization, too, because Esther's done a lot around this work as well. Yeah, I, I was honored to be asked to help um, organize and think about what it would look like coming together. And it was just, it it was wonderful. It, it, everything happened perfectly um i really enjoyed learning to make the moss bags to <laughs> that was and not only just learning how to make them but just the conversation that we had you know while we're all working on our own project and um sometimes i think that some of the it, it's such a comfort and some and when we're together like that and talking about things it it sparked a lot of uh, memories in my i was like oh yeah i remember that and um you know, things that would never happen in isolation, I guess. So the connection was great. And to see the, you know, the the young people that were doing the childcare and then the young kids all around and kids coming in and out, you know, coming to nurse on mama and then leaving. It was just, it was wonderful. Um, 
and to be able to, you know, because this was, uh, I haven't had it, uh, in-person gathering like that for a couple of years. I haven't been to one. So we, we all tested negative and we were all safe. So we felt good being together in that space. I'd like to hear from Teray too. I'm so happy to hear everybody enjoyed the moss bag making. I had so much fun sharing that with everybody. Um, when I was asked to share, I wasn't quite sure uh, where to go. But when I was thinking about, um, you know, what Olivia was saying, the gathering was about, you know, reconnecting, reclaiming, rematriation. I know that was something really big for me. Becoming a mother was just trying to, you know, as my kids were born into this world, trying to make sure that I wrap them so much in indigenous love and culture and tradition as much as I could um, when they came into this world. And it felt really good for me to um, reclaim that practice and put that back in my family and, you know, help my sisters and, you know, my family, you know, hopefully now it's just a part of the practice, but it was very beautiful and humbling experience for me to bring it to all of you and to watch, you know, elders sewing together their moss bags and saying like, wow, getting together as a community, beautiful things really, really happen and come of it. And it felt really honest and special. And when we got together, it just felt really effortless. And like ancestors brought us together in that moment to really, you know, it just felt, it, it felt right. It felt like we were living, you know, for a minute there in time for those four days you know, the way we're supposed to be living community. And like you said, Esther, with our, our older children, caring for the younger children and watching how they just effortlessly flowed into those roles was um, really special to witness. I was uh, noting how, you know, how you said how we're supposed to be living together in community. And Esther, when you were talking about just the conversation that naturally happens when you're together like that, and that that is how, you know, traditionally we carried out all of our our business and the women being together and doing work together. I remember at one of the um, Wabanaki Confederacies and we were preparing the cedar and and how we were all sitting around and and uh, preparing the cedar and the conversations that happened and just that um, that transmission of knowledge in that natural way rather than a class or something when you're just sitting around together and and swapping stories and sharing information um it's a beautiful thing for sure yeah yeah Wayne Newell uh past late past Paquati um said that that is the definition of knowledge is that energy that is between people when that's happening um so yeah you're right it, it that's why we have the we are oral people, right? And that's how we trans transmitted knowledge. That's right. So, um, do you have plans for follow up gatherings? Is this going to be um, an annual gathering that you anticipate? Uh, I think we're definitely going to be having them annually. Hopefully, we might even try to do um, further teachings um, online and connecting together. We're still in the process of working through that. Um, we actually um, receive funding to further this work um, through grant money. So we have like um, the capability to really expand and 
our goal is to um, educate and also um, help teach um, more birth workers so that um, they can go back to their own communities and help support women um, or those carrying babies in their own communities. So our goal is to really um, bring this back home so that um, our women are cared for and our children. And also, um, like uh, Tere was saying, all the rites of passage as far as our moon times and menopausal transitions and all the things that go with that, breastfeeding support. Um, So uh, we're um, like even um, doula trainings and postpartum doula care. So we have the grant funding now and uh, like a network coalition here where we all carry different um, expertise in ways. And so we're all going to come together to help even train um, train more people who are interested in doing this work as well. Now, is there a way for, I, I know you said you have grant funding, but I don't believe it's a lot. Is there a way for people to support your work if they so choose? And maybe you could give that information. Yeah, we've been working through primarily Eastern Woodlands rematriation. Um, I think they... Do you know, Esther? I think Eastern Woodlands Rematriation, I think we can provide the link for them. And I know their donations go through uh, um, organization Why Hunger. And I know that mo- all of our funding has come from them thus far. Yeah. So Eastern Woodlands Rematriation. There you go. Um, Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we have so much work to do. Yeah. More funding is obviously, yeah, we don't, we're just getting started. So that's really helpful. You know, I, I've been reading in the news um, the supply chain and recall issues around um, infant formula. And, you know, hearing from some people that are really struggling to figure out what to do. Um, they go online and it says, do not make your own formula at home. This is not safe. Um, and then I remembered how. I still have my card from when I was born in 1968 and it has my formula recipe on there and it was evaporated milk, corn syrup, and water. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) So it just got me thinking about how, you know, this issue itself could bring light to how, you know, that this reclamation of these practices, um, there seems to be a need for it. Uh, And I, you know, it's, it's such a painful um, issue for, for women who either um, can't nurse or you have to go back to work, which is like the number one in this country. Women have to go to work, right, when they're still recovering from having a baby. And, and just this all, to me, seems to be related and, and speaking to the need for, for us to maybe have to figure out better ways to structure society to more to better support birthing and babies uh let me just uh break in to say uh you are listening to Dawnland signals on weru-fm i am your co-host maria gerard along with co-host esther ann Dawnland signals is the monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth healing and change and today we're talking about indigenous birth work with dr just Cree and Tere Ramos. 
And Esther, you were just talking about the um, the supply chain issue and the and the formula, the baby formula. Yeah, and recalls. I guess um, I didn't know if Teray or Jess wanted to comment on that. Yeah, I feel, of course, really strongly about um, one of the things I'm trying to do with my community and also some of the sister tribes that I've been in contact with is to have some sort of um, knowledge sharing about, um, you know, breastfeeding and reclaiming our, um, reclaiming breastfeeding for our communities because, Again, that's another form of sovereignty as well, and putting that back in our communities and as well the teachings that come from there as well and milk sharing or um, um, I know this was a topic too is um, sharing like um, having their children or other children um, breastfeed on others, whether family members or community members is really beautiful. The last um, Indigenous Earth Workers Gathering um, I went to was out West. And when I was there, um, I left my children at home and I was breastfeeding. I was tandem nursing actually. And I was so engorged and I was out there cause we were out on, you know, we were camping out on indigenous territory and, um, I was trying to hand express as much as possible. And the women were handing me their babies like here, let your baby, let the baby nurse. So, you know, it can help you with your engorgement. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things we can do for each other is share with each other in that way. And it, this whole thing surrounding, you know, this really terrible recall and formula shortage just has me thinking, you know, milk sovereignty, body sovereignty, food sovereignty, you know, that's a huge um, pillar in our community. And if we can see that in a way be, you know, reclaimed and resurfaced I think that would be you know a safe for us and our communities and the future babies absolutely um let's see I don't have any immediate questions I'm just looking at the the sort of things I scribble as I'm listening to you all talk and this notion of um, coming around full circle keeps um, coming up for me and, you know, talking about reclaiming practices and our traditional rights um, and bodily sovereignty. These are all words that really appeal to me. And I'm thinking in the grand scheme of things that this interruption in that really is pretty short-lived in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, so it just goes to, to me, it's like a testament of the power of this knowledge and, um, you know, and how it's coming back, back around. Not that it was ever completely gone. <laughs> yeah, I think a few families, you know, I think Teray said hers um, birthing at home was four generations. You know, for me, it was just one generation. It was my, uh, my grandmother who birthed hers in the hospital. But my mom had already went back to having home births and my great grandmother at home births. <clears throat> and so some of us... Um, it hasn't been as disconnected, which is really good for those of us who it's been a few generations. Um, I think it can be feel a little bit more. Uh, <clears throat> it can be harder to understand or to really have the trust and the faith 
in our in our culture and in our, in our traditions. But for me, it's um, really important. And um, I think a lot of it, too, we're, we're still reclaiming as far as, you know, um, when we first get our moon and our connection with women and our menstrual cycles in the moon. And so that process for me of understanding our moon time ceremonies and the berry fast, I did, I did that ceremony as an adult with um, Medewin women. And for me, that really, really, that was part of my birth working training um, was to actually do that ceremony. And for me, that was uh, extremely powerful as far as um, understanding our, our women's connections to berries, the moon, the water, um, our fertility and, you know, um, our corn mother and our first mother. So there's just so, so much depth to, um, fertility and our menstrual cycles that connect us to, you know, where we come from and the plants and the medicine and just the waters in our womb. So it's just so much depth that we have. And so, um, you know, just some basic understandings. And then once you understand, like, you know, the water in your womb and praying for that, just that alone, um, even if you're having a hospital birth still, or, you know, under an obst- uh, obstetrician's care, you know, just that all process alone of, um, you know, praying to the water in your womb, and, you know, just these small things that you can do to um, honor your culture, um, and our spiritual, and our spiritual knowledge, um, for me is really important. And so a lot of that hasn't been severed. Um, a lot of that core, that core underlying spiritual connection hasn't been severed. And so it's just a matter of, um, uh, reconnecting if, if that has been, but, you know, and it's, it's so vital, um, you know, just, you know, women connecting with the water. Um, so just that simple process. And then um, from there, you know, looking at plants that we may have used in prenatal care, like red raspberry leaf, or plants that we may have used in labor and delivery, like cohosh, you know, cohosh being actually a Penobscot word, um, cohosh. Um, so that was just a really revered plant among our people um, for all women's rights. Um, the partridge berry, a really important plant for labor and delivery. So, you know, it can be as fundamental as connecting with your menstrual cycle and the moon and the water um, and the berries to, you know, learning more about the plant medicines around women's care um, to then learning, you know, um, you know, just supporting each other as women in the process of birth and then supporting each other through breastfeeding. Because if that, if the breastfeeding piece has been severed, I find it very difficult for women to, um, if their grandmothers or their mothers didn't breastfeed, there can be a lot of like negative backtalk that you hear like, oh, just give formula or just give a bottle. It's so much easier or, um, you know, you can't breastfeed in public or there's so much, um, you know, negativity and um, uh, just, you know, whatever that people hear. So just as us, as Native women supporting each other so we can normalize again breastfeeding in public or, you know, 
um, staying up at night to breastfeed, you know, these are normal processes, normal work that, you know, we have to do in raising our children. So, you know, the more women that, you know, we support each other in this process. And so I think we're all at maybe different, different levels of how that um, colonization has affected us and our families. Um, But I think us coming together in community and supporting each other is, is really, is really, really key. You know, I I can't help but think about um, my, the ceremony around menstruation because my, my daughters went through that and, and it had a uh, impact on them and their friends. There was eight girls that did it together over two years. And, um, but the impact that it had on, on me, the things that I learned about how um, when a woman is menstruating, how the family treats her and what they do to to honor that time. And I taught that to my sons, <laughs> you know, because, and they, they would do it when, you know, help me when, when I was uh, menstruating, like, you know, mama doesn't do housework, you know, it was chocolates. They go get me chocolates and give me the remote and, you know, just to, and, and that lesson is what they'll take with their partners and then hopefully their daughter. So it's not just the women that get impacted by these teachings. I think the whole family is impacted. And I saw that at the gathering with, with the two of you and the other women and the children and how, you know, how it just impacts everybody. Um, it's like a ripple. Tere, did you want to add anything? I do. I felt inspired after hearing just um just mention about um reclamation and how it can be different for you know families that have maybe not have had births or even live in their traditional culture for you know some generations past and what that means as far as reclamation for those of us that feel like um there's no really clear path on where to begin or how to start or where reconnection even takes place. And I like sharing my story because that for sure was me. Um, I, I absolutely did feel like I, I grew up in um, a lineage that, you know, was living the consequences of forgotten traditions. And I did not want to pass that on to my children. And I, again, I just, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know where to begin um, I didn't know um, who to reach out to. And for me, what was the game changer where my life really took a turn was when um, my births and my pregnancies became my reconnecting ceremony. It was the time where somehow I was able to open up and, you know, receive um a lot of my medicines that came to me at that time, I was, I was just dreaming, dreaming, dreaming all of my pregnancies, like um, about specific medicines that coincided to the types of births I would have um, my children and, you know, who they would be if they were a boy or girl, what their name should be like all these beautiful things that I felt had been or could have been lost in my lineage had come back in this really sacred way in this sacred time for me. So I love being able to share my story and tell people that nothing's ever lost, that all that information, all that knowledge 
lives inside of us and it can come flowing back if we're just, you know, open to it. And, you know, our ancestors are there and I'm sure they're wanting us to reconnect and they're there for us to reconnect in. Thank you for mentioning that because I really did want to share that piece about um, reconnecting. I I couldn't help but think when you were talking, uh, sharing about the um, gathering at Skudik, how the ancestors must have been smiling down on you all. And what you say about, you know, nothing's ever lost, you know, that it's it's there, it's in our DNA. It's just a, a matter of being able to call that forth. So we have about... Um, 10 more minutes, um, nine more minutes together. And so I just wanted to, you know, offer the space um, to both uh, you, Justin, Teray, to, you know, any um, any final thoughts on, you know, what you want to share um, around the gathering or around, uh, you know, your vision or, just anything. I mean, this is your this is your space to share whatever you want to share. Did you want to start, Jess? Sure. I was actually reminded um, of a really powerful uh, afternoon that we were together at the gathering, where the morning we were talking about like the cre- our creation stories and going back to our creation stories and how that that carries so many teachings forward for for us to understand as far as. Um, creating new life and but um part of our process that we did together to start was sharing our own birthing stories um how we came into this world or how our children came into the world and in that process um it was really uh there was you know maybe 15 to 20 women present and almost all of them had really like excruciating and really, really traumatic, traumatic birth stories. Um, everything from um, being drugged up so bad that they didn't weren't even present for their own baby's birth to mm. just um, really horrific, traumatic stories of, um, you know, uh, and so it was kind of it was really just healing for all of us. Um, and I think that process alone can be a really healing, restorative process to really sit in a talking circle to share those traumas. And it was really eye-opening as far as the trauma that our children are coming into this world. Um, the way they're coming into the world is um, really traumatic for the mom and the children And so it's, um, you know, it's kind of like, wow, no wonder we're in such a mess. No wonder we're in such a mess. The way we're birthing our children is traumatic. And that trauma is just perpetuating. And it's, um, it really needs to be stopped. Um, And so I think that first process for us as um, birth workers, even, and for those of us to support women in birth is to like heal our own traumas that we've experienced. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that. And so, you know, because it's, it's real, that's what's really happening um, for a lot, for a lot of women in birth th- um, today. And so um, I think that's a part of the work that we have to do as well as um, heal and stop um, the trauma that's being perpetuated. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Um, as soon as you talked about sharing uh, the birth stories, I I had to smile because every time my sons, I have two sons, and every time their birthday rolls around, I start the day before, I start sharing parts of their birth stories so they know it all by heart now. <laughs> nice. I think that's important to know how you how you came into this world. Mm-hmm. Tere, did you want to, um, anything last thoughts that you'd like to share with us. And and we do have about, uh, what do we have about four or five minutes? So no rush. I did also notice, um, just what you're saying when we were all in circle, that was probably one of the most powerful moments that we had all gathering together was sharing our, our birth stories. And it was very alarming. Um, how many of us have, experienced trauma in place of you know where this life-altering ceremony is supposed to take place that we know birth is supposed to be so first and foremost I think it was very healing to be able to share in a a circle of women um, what we've been through just to be heard you know not even to hear you know after we shared it's not even, no one really commented after each birth because you didn't have to. It's just knowing that you're speaking and your experience is being heard was really powerful um, for all of us to experience. And I think that's a beautiful place to start. You know, we have a really big vision for the future and what we want to see. And, you know, we want to see, you know, doulas, birth workers, whatever you want to call them or us or, but first and foremost, I think it's really important for us to get together and to, to share and to, you know, heal from some of those experiences together and um, experience community in that really strong way so that we can learn too to be, you know, I think it's really important to learn to be a good listener, you know, especially when we're caring for people that have had experiences that aren't so great or having a postpartum experience that's been very traumatic. I mean, I think the best medicine sometimes for healing is just, you know, to be, to be listened to and to be heard and to share your story. And we don't always need the, you know, well, at least you have a healthy baby and, you know, every, everybody's fine and they're here. Like, no, damn it, be mad, be angry, be upset, show, you know, let that hurt and trauma live somewhere other than inside your body so that we can heal and we can continue, you know, the process and to be that listener and that guider for someone else. And, you know, we don't need to be, you know, um, professionally trained in any of those areas, you know, just being support and being community together, that's you know, you mentioned, uh, Rhea, about just sharing knowledge in a space, in a group, in a circle. And that's what really I hope to see um, for more gatherings in the future is um, when we decide to make our training, quote unquote, training programs for them to be very um, communal and, you know, not one person that has all this knowledge, but just sharing, gathering information and learning in um, a very traditional way. I'm really excited to see what comes of the next gathering. 
Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this this conversation, and um, there's just so much so much to think about. And I really appreciate the work that you all are doing. And uh, this this brings us to um, another. Um, oh, this brings us to the end of our uh, program. And so I just wanted to say, Kachiwaliwani, uh, to our very special guests, Dr. Just Cree and uh, Tere Ramos for sharing um, their experiences and the work that they're doing around the reclamation of Indigenous birth work. So thank you. Uh, thank you to the listeners for joining us on Dawnland Signals. As always, thank you to our volunteer technician, Jeffrey Hodgkiss, for his assistance and support. And be sure to join us next month, June 16th, and every third Thursday of the month for Dawnland Signals and more conversations of truth, healing, and change. Stay tuned for more great programming here on WERU-FM. Up, Jidge. Up, Jidge. Thanks so much for having us. It was wonderful.